we are not operating and living in this full free life that God has for us, like at, at all. We're choosing to stay in like bondage, like our little fear fortresses, I like to call them, because that's what, and that's what the enemy wants us. He yeah. wants us to stay, you know, stuck and to stay in this hatred and this not having self-acceptance and God doesn't want that for us. So when we say yes to like food rules, we're saying no to the full free life that God has for us. So really realizing that every time we say yes to something, we're also saying no to something else as well um, can be really powerful. You just heard a powerful word from our awesome guest that I got to sit down and have a candid conversation with about myths and fears we can all relate to when it comes to dieting and fitness and how knowing our identity in Christ is actually key to starting a healthy fitness journey. With the new year rolling around, I think it's safe to say about 95% of us are thinking about either hitting the gym or picking up a new diet, right? And while getting healthy is an awesome goal to have, most of us may actually be going about it the wrong way. How? Well, that's one of the big things you're going to hear from our guest on the show today. She is passionate about healthy living and faith. She is a certified personal trainer, nutrition coach, and founder of Food Faith Fitness, which is a motivational and informative blog that reaches thousands of women and aims to repair misconceptions and harmful relationships with food and fitness while encouraging women to grow in their relationship with Christ. And currently, she has a free food freedom guide available to our listeners so that you can discover the step-by-step system to break free from food fears, rules, and living your life by numbers like counting calories. So you can finally step into the free full life you never thought possible while eating what you want. So with all that said, I can say I'm really excited and I'm super ready for you to listen in on my conversation with our guest, Taylor Kaiser. You're listening to Coffee Break, a podcast created for women like you looking for real connection, spiritual growth, and inspiration on their daily walk with Christ. I'm your host, Anastasia Franklin, and I want you to grab your cup of coffee wherever you are and get comfortable because we're sitting down for another conversation that you won't want to miss here on Coffee Break. like to start with your blog title, um, Faith, Food, and Fitness, and break it up a little bit. So what is your reasoning behind the title? So I really, I mean, my blog really, it's really just about food, faith, and fitness. It is more of a food blog. Um, so when I started it, I was trying to think of like, what are my like main like pillars of life that I think are important? And my those pillars are like food, faith, fitness, and family and friends, but like that's a really long blog name to go food, faith, fitness, family, friends. <laughs> so I figured like what are my main three that I can actually create a blog about? Um, and so as I'm a food blog, food, of course, it's food. And then I do like Sunday reflections. So it's like kind of like little devotionals that I write on Sundays, kind of like what, what God has been teaching me because my faith is a huge, huge part of my life. So I wanted to figure out a way that I could weave that in, but it's kind of hard like when I'm writing about a chicken recipe to be like, Jesus created chicken too. Like that just doesn't feel natural, you know? So I started writing these Sunday reflections. There's the faith and then fitness. I'm a personal trainer. So um, I didn't, I don't really do a lot of say exercises and stuff on the blog, but the recipes that I create are more what's considered like 
healthier, more nourishing foods. So it's kind of like more nutrition, but fitness kind of sounded better with the food and the faith. So that's kind of how it happened. So there's obviously like a clear connection between food and fitness, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I'm really curious about um, how that stuff connects to faith for you. Yeah. So, I mean, the Bible says that our bodies are God's temple. Um, so for me, for so long, I really felt that in order for me to have like this really great walk with God or whatever you want to say, I had to like really take care of my temple. So that was very obsessive for me. That That's kind of where it led me into the whole working out, personal trainer, eating super quote unquote clean. And so for me, I thought that that is how I was taking care of my faith because the Bible told me to take care of my temple. So the food and the fitness like played into there. But in the past couple of years, I realized what the way I was eating and exercising was actually taking away from my faith because it became an obsession and it became an idol. And it's something that I put for my faith. Like I didn't wasn't spending my morning doing devotionals. I was spending it at the mm-hmm. gym or all those kinds of things. So mm. I've realized as I've shifted away from obsessive um, fitness and food, it's, I still you know, put a focus on nutrition. Um, it's more about when, when the Bible says, you know, we have to take care of our temple. I think what's more important is that we actually have a positive relationship with our temple because God created our temple perfectly and fearfully and wonderfully made. And when we're, when we don't have a positive relationship with it, we're almost saying like, when he says that we are fearfully, fearfully, wonderfully made and perfectly made in this image that we're almost like saying he's lying or he, that he made a mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of transforming that into the way that I eat and exercise is helping me have, a, you know, taking care of my temple physically, but also having a positive relationship with it and learning to accept my body and not obsess about food um, and actually have God be number one in my life, except for and not food and fitness, if that makes sense. Yeah. So at what point did you realize that, oh, no, okay, I'm not treating my body as a temple, but now I'm idolizing it? Like, when did that click for you? It's honestly, a, it was like a long time ago. It was probably almost a decade ago when I was around 20 or 21. Like, long story short, I had an eating disorder when I was 11, and I recovered. And then in my 20s, um, I got back into, like, um, like, fitness competitions, and I wanted to do those things. And I realized that because I had that old past of obsession and eating disorder, like uh, I very much latched onto food and exercise again, and it started to become an idol. So I realized this like 10 years ago, and I I knew it for like 10 years, but I was not able to be free of it. I don't, I wanted to be, but I just couldn't. And then about two years ago, I just had like an enough is enough moment, um, like a come to Jesus moment. And then that's when I sort of gave it up and really started to work on the positive relationship part of um, my temple. That's pretty awesome how you were able to kind of at some point you're like, all right, this is no longer um, me celebrating God or worshiping God with my, you know, with what he's given me. But now this is me kind of like focusing on me. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that's like something that like everyone struggles with at some point, right? Totally, totally. Like we just get on, um, I'm thinking even about the new year. You know, we're, <laughs> we're like, yep. my first thing is like, okay, I need to go ahead and renew the gym membership <laughs> and mm-hmm. we, need, we need to get the ball rolling. But at no point in time did I even consider I'm doing this for God, you know? Yeah. They always like, we always hear like new year, new me, but the Bible actually says that we're already new in Christ. So we don't need to be new year, new me. You just need to be, you know, new you in Christ and yeah 
who he wants you to be, not worrying about everything else. Exactly. So um, you kind of touched on it already, but I kind of want to dig a little bit deeper. Um, So your story kind of with health and fitness kind of started when you were like really young. So you said like Mm -hmm. around 11 um, and when you battled that eating disorder. I would really love if you can kind of tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so when I was 11, so I'm from Canada, so our school system is a little bit different. Um, so we go into high school when we are turning, like, like when we're t- 11, 12, so it's grade 8 is our high school. There's no, like, middle school. Wow. So okay. I was going into high school, and I was 11, and that's, like, kind of the age where, you know, girls want to be pretty, and they want to be popular, and they want the boys to notice them and all these things. And I was 11, so, like, I had the natural, like, 11-year-old baby pudge, all those kinds of things, <laughs> and they grew up. You know, like we all do, like yeah. it's very normal. And I grew up in like a, I grew up in a health, healthy, like Christian home, but not obsessive. Just like we like to run and eat well, but we still enjoyed our treats and all those things. So I saw my dad running, and I was like, "Hey, dad, can I run with you?" So I started to exercise, and of course, naturally, I lost weight, and of course, naturally, people praised me for it. And because I'm a type A, I latched onto those praises, and it just mm. it started with good intentions, like most diets and most attempts at weight loss do, and it really just got out of control really, really fast. And within, like, I think it was two or three months, I was in the hospital, and I was told that I might not even live. And as an 11-year-old, it's pretty scary. Um, so that kind of kicked me in the butt and then I was hospitalized for five weeks and I missed almost a year of school. Um, and I recovered and then through my teens I was recovered and that's when I, and I said, like I said, when I was around 20, that's when I kind of got back into disordered eating patterns. Okay. So things were going good for a while. Yeah. So like what changed there? Like when, so the doctors told you, okay, this is something serious. What clicked in your mind? Like what did you... How did you see food? How did you see fitness during that time? Like when I was 11? Mm-hmm. I think, so before, like, food was the enemy. It was something that would make me fat. It was something that, like, I needed to avoid. And exercise was a way to keep my body small. It was a way to burn off food, all those things. And then when the doctors told me that, like, I might not live, as an 11-year-old, it just, I think that was, like, my wake-up call. It was, like... I didn't have a super strong faith back then, so I'd love to say, like, God, like, gave me a vision, but he didn't because I just didn't have a super strong faith. But it was just, like, a wake-up call, like, okay, I am 11. Like, I've literally been on the the earth for 11 years. I have, like, 80 years to go, and I'm wasting it to be this skinny stick of a person. Yeah. And then I realized that I had to change my relationship and see food as nourishing and food as energy and exercise as something that should be joyful and not used to punish ourselves yeah at at that time did you have like any influences so like what were like some of the contributing like factors to that because you were so young yeah you mean to getting an eating disorder or to recovery yeah so kind of both people ask me this and I've been like I've been in therapy for like so many years when I was you know going through recovery but I honestly don't know like it's bizarre like I don't have any like past traumas or like anything I just I really think it was just wanting to be attractive and wanting to be pretty and mm-hmm. thriving off of becoming the status quo that's that um like that st- the culture tells us that we need to be and starting to mold yes. into that and just went to my head. Goodness gracious, yes. I just thought about oh my gosh, all the magazines and <laughs> all like yeah. the TV shows and the models and <sighs> uh, just trying to like fit that mold even so young I feel like girls are just you know pumped with all of these images of what we should look like 
Oh, like, yeah. I mean, and that was also almost, like, I'm 30 now, so that was 20 years ago. I can't even imagine being an 11-year-old in this year. Like, there was no Instagram back then. There was no phones. We barely even had the internet back then. Yeah. So but, I can't even imagine. But now, so, okay, so if you are, you know, thinking about, you know, the teenagers nowadays with Instagram and social media, what kind of impact do you think, you know, those kind of body ideals have nowadays? I think it's honestly so much worse like when I see statistics now it's like eating disorders at like eight like body dissatisfaction people I've heard of like there was the Weight Watchers that they created a Weight Watchers for children that are like eight years old and up like it's just absolutely insane I just think that when little girls are scrolling through Instagram and they're seeing all these quote-unquote fitspo and all these like Mm -hmm. ways that they have to look like I almost I just don't know like how they even can accept themselves when they're constantly bombarded like all day long so, you know kids these days are always on their phone like I just yeah. don't know it's crazy so after that point okay so you kind of went through recovery and you said in your 20s you know yep. um it kind of went triggered and something happened and you kind of turned back to those similar similar behaviors what yes. happened what changed Yeah, so I was in a relationship with a guy that I thought was like the one. I thought we were going to get married. Um, So we broke up, and so, of course, we didn't get married. And I felt like – I think I just felt like this overwhelming sense of, like, feeling out of control. And I went back to really the only thing that I knew how to control, which was, you know, food in my body and exercise. Yeah. So I think that was kind of the trigger point for me because before then I was fully recovered and happy and just living, like – not a normal healthy person but still enjoying my cheesecake and all those kinds of mm-hmm. things and then so after that it was that overall feeling of out of controlness so I went back to controlling that and then I made a really silly decision of um starting to work with a like well-known personal trainer who trains women to compete in those you know those figure competitions where you put a little bathing suit on and like walk around mm-hmm. the stage because I thought that maybe like I could up level my fitness or something and I thought maybe I could do it like non-obsessively which for me is like it's it's impossible I can never do something fitness or food related non-obsessively it's just my personality and so he taught me how to like count macros and calories really well and which just made things even worse so that was a bad decision so um a lot of people um so when we talk about you know this unhealthy diet and you know exercising some people don't think you know restricting your diet often is unhealthy or exercising a lot is unhealthy so I'm curious like what were some of the things that you did during this time that you knew like was unhealthy like what was the line for you yeah, so I was I never like over exercised in the sense that like, you know, some women are exercising twice a day, seven days a week, and that's obviously way too much. I never did that because I was only exercising four days a week, which is like pretty, you know, normal. But my relationship with it was where I knew that it was unhealthy because I could not miss a day. Like if uh, someone wanted to go out for the weekend on Saturday, I had I couldn't because I had to get my Saturday workout in. Mm-hmm. Um, I exercised in order to like burn calories like if I didn't feel like it was a hard workout I would stress about like I burn less calories so it's almost like I knew that exercise was like a way that I allowed myself to eat Mm -hmm. um so for me that's you know a really a a boundary line it's not like to make myself feel good but it's like permission to nourish myself was from exercise and then with food I mean obviously the obsessive counting of calories and macros and weighing all my food was pretty obviously obsessive but the same thing just thinking about it all the time 
worrying about, you know, if I ate a couple extra calories and gained weight overnight, not being able to go for, you know, social events because I was worried or fearful of what the food would do to my body. Oh. All those things are, I just knew that this was not that normal, healthy lifestyle of a normal, healthy person. So what, what would you say is like the normal, what's the ideal healthy lifestyle? Yeah, so it's what's called intuitive eating. So typically, like when we listen to our bodies, our bodies are, God created our bodies to want to be healthy. You know, we can even see that just in the sense that if we scrape ourselves, our body heals it. Like our body is designed to feel healthy. So we actually are truly tuned in with our body. Um, Most people typically generally crave um, more nourishing foods and feel better eating nourishing foods. And once in a while, they might be like, hey, I really want a donut. And they could eat that and move on. Um, but so it's kind of like the way a child eats. Like when you look at a child, mm-hmm. you don't typically see them eating like 5,000 cookies and like wanting more. They'll like maybe even eat half and then they don't want any more. They'll leave food on their plate because they, mm-hmm. they're full. Like they know what hunger and fullness is and they know when their body feels good and when their body needs to stop. But as adults, we've overthought this so much. Like we've overthought this simple thing of eating and we're always like trying to like play Tetris, like make it fit in our plan and like count our macros and our calories. So it's really just learning to tune into your body and see what makes you feel good and not having like these emotions around food, like seeing food as good or bad because food has no morality. It's literally just food Yeah. Um, and not having guilt or shame around eating things that we think are bad or good, but just kind of, I always say like an all food fits kind of lifestyle. And sometimes mm-hmm. we're eating vegetables and sometimes we're eating a donut, but there are not, one is not morally superior to the other. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the episode so far. We just wanted to let you know that we are listener supported and are so thankful for your generosity to the show. Because of listeners like you, we can continue to record content that is meaningful, biblical, and relatable, and that we hope encourages you every time you listen. If our show has impacted you in any way, or if it's on your heart, you can give at the link in the description box of this episode. That link will take you to a page where you can make a donation of any amount. Any donation you make will be so deeply appreciated and will help us continue to create content that you enjoy. If you can't do it now, you can also do it later at herfaithinspired.com slash donate. Okay, now let's get back to the show. So during this time, Um, when you're kind of going through this time where you were struggling with um, your body image again, how long did that last? That lasted probably a good, good seven years. It was almost a decade where I really struggled. Okay. And so, and then now you're currently, you know, um, running this blog that's all about um, healthy and intuitive eating. And so clearly something's changed. So at what point did you you know, did you decide something had to change or what was the uh, switch that flipped for you? Yeah, I can vividly remember the day. So it was a couple years ago um, and my husband and I were having like our date night. So it was date night in. And so he was like, let's make pasta and let's like have this like Italian date night. I'm like, oh, that sounds fun. Cool. So we went to the store and he like starts getting the flour, which is like all purpose, which scared me. And then he started putting all like the butter and the wine and the everything in the grocery <laughs> cart and I just like remember freaking out I was like there's no way I can eat this this is so bad for me I'm gonna get a million pounds and I just remember being so in my head 
about this like date night that was supposed to be so fun. And then we went home and we were making it. And I remember purposely, like, because I was doing most of the making, because I'm a food blogger and he doesn't know how to even make a grilled cheese sandwich. But <laughs> I was I was doing most of the cooking. And I remember purposely, like, making the pasta fail, like, not work out so that I did not have to eat it. And then I just went to the bed. I went to bed that night just crying. I was like, I couldn't even, even like, enjoy a date night. Like, I made it not work out and made it miserable because I was so afraid of, like, eating flour and butter like this is ridiculous wow and so the next day I was just like enough is enough like I missed so much of my life I literally missed almost all my 20s which are supposed to be the best years of your life and yeah. mine were not you know because I was so obsessed with my body and food and the next day I was like I'm done and that's when I really started to heal did he ever notice at this time like did he know that you were sabotaging <laughs> like he the food surprisingly he knows now because I told him, but he didn't know in the, you know, in the time. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> Good. So um, what was – so after you started healing, what was your new focus? Like how did you change how you felt about food and your body? So it really started with starting to renew my mind, like the Bible says we're supposed to do. So my first step was to – I stopped working out completely. Not everyone needs to do this, but for me, I knew that – in order to heal my relationship with exercise, I needed to take a very long gym break. So I took a gym yeah. break for almost a year. Um, so that and during that time in the morning when I used to work out, I spent that time doing devotionals instead mm-hmm. to really set my mind on Christ and to set my mind for the day. So that was kind of what I did with that. And then just with food, it was really starting to just eat all food. So for a while, there was a couple, like there was like a month or two where I didn't eat a vegetable because I was just like, I need to give myself full permission to eat all foods and to really believe that there's no food that is good or bad. I um, mean, for a while I did eat that because my body didn't actually want to eat like more sugary foods because I hadn't mm-hmm. for 10 years. But then once I got through that phase of, okay, all foods are in permission. I can eat whatever the heck I want in any, qual- in any quality quantities. That's when I really started to realize that my body did start to gravitate towards, you know, healthful foods. And that's the way that I yeah. eat now. Like typically, I eat, you know, a healthy protein, fat, and carb meal most of the time. But once in a while, like on Christmas, it's, you know, it's almost Christmas from the time mm-hmm. we're playing it. And I don't, I can go out and eat cookies and I can eat a donut and I don't have any kind of like fear around it. So that took, that process for probably about, you know, six, six or so months to really start to feel like I truly believe that all foods fit. Um, and then, like I said, almost a year for exercise. So you talked about um, kind of learning the difference between, you know, good food, bad food, and that really there is none. Like when you're talking mm-hmm. about food morality, can you please talk about that? Because I I swear I still feel like a cookie's bad. <laughs> yeah, totally. So when, when I say this, I'm not like saying like a cookie is the same nourishment as a broccoli. Like we're all real humans here. We know yeah. that a cookie is less nourishing than a broccoli. So it's more like changing the language. Like, okay, maybe you choose to eat more nourishing food most of the time and less nourishing food sometimes. But okay. seeing like saying good or bad is very black and white. And it really is giving food like power over you because like we said, it really does have no morality. Food is just food. Like it's not a person. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make you it doesn't make you less of a good person for eating a cookie and a better person for eating a broccoli. It really we can't give morality something that is just literally this anatomy and object of food that we all need to eat. Like yeah. it doesn't make us more superior for eating better than someone else because we all need to eat. So really choosing different language around more or less nourishing or more nutrient dense or like whatever your choice is mm-hmm. is something can be that could be really empowering um, and really helping that good food bad food mentality. Okay, 
So would you say kind of like, um, I know you kind of talked about something similar to um, like the 80%, 20% rule. Yeah. Can you kind, kind of, of like, I still don't love that because I think I, I'm all about no food rules. And to me, that's still like a rule, a rule that like, I have to eat 20%, you know, that I yeah. can only eat unclean 20% of the time. But like, yes, it's like the moderation. When you truly listen to your body, your body naturally typically finds like an 80-20, but not making yourself force it into an 80-20, if that makes sense. So why did you, um, so we were talking kind of about roles. Um, why did you decide to kind of do away with the roles? Was that one of the things that was really, that you noticed was holding you back or? Yeah, so rules, I mean, they're just, that's an unhealthy relationship with food. Someone who has a good positive relationship with food does not have rules around food. So mm-hmm. I knew that if I wanted true freedom, mental freedom, physical freedom, I could have no more food rules. So that is something that I had to really work on I, abolishing all of them and I had a lot so it was definitely challenging so uh for the person who's like struggling with these rules like yes I can't eat past 8 p.m at night I know there are like some like crazy like rules and myths that we have can you just kind of like expand on maybe like some of the ones that you believed yeah so I definitely had like a no especially like a no carbs at night like I was okay with carbs but not at night Mm -hmm. um so that was a huge one for me and that's something that I've been playing with and I actually now I eat like a lot of carbs at night and I actually feel way better and I sleep amazing because carbs support <laughs> sleep so okay. when you're not eating carbs especially before bed you're not going to sleep as well so that was for for me like really breaking down the rules an important part of breaking the, the rules down was to see that these fears which created the rules were mm-hmm. really just fears so when we actually challenge them we see that nothing bad happens like we don't die and then we realize that um, they were really just silly. So the, the carb one I had, um, then I had a, oh, so many rules, uh, like only I had to, could only take like a quote unquote cheat day on like a day that I exercised. Um, mm. does that have it. anything to do like, you know, with like calories burning or anything? Cause I know you're a personal trainer and, um, a nutrition coach. So so technically, it's because, like, yes, you burn more calories than the day, and also because on days that you exercise, it's called nutrient partitioning. Like, um, the calorie, the extra calories you eat are more likely to go towards muscle building if you exercise that day. Okay. So, like, there's some science behind it, yes. But, like, in the grand scheme of your life, like, it really doesn't matter. Like, one or two days that when you eat a little bit more, and if you work out or not, like, nothing happens. Yeah. Um. So, so that was a rule. Um, I just had, it's like a lot of like no going over X, Y, Z calories was a rule, which I eat now, you know, way more than I used to and nothing bad happened. So just all these little things that I had to challenge and realize that they're kind of just fear-based and not uh, truth. So what are some of, um, the fears that you had to break through? Yeah. So one huge one was that like I would gain weight overnight if I ate more. Like, you know, we all think that if we eat more that our body will just store it as fat, which is not yeah. the case because our bodies are really, really smart and God designed them to know what to do if we have a couple of days where we eat more. Like mm-hmm. over the holidays, um, it, it just does not, it doesn't happen that day. Like, that way a couple of days just doesn't make you gain weight overnight. Um, so that was a, a fear. Um, I had the fear of like losing my identity if I didn't have this perfect body or work out a certain way or eat a certain way because I kind of found my identity in being like the fit skinny girl or the girl who ate clean. Um, so that was a really scary one to feel like I was giving up, especially when I quit the gym because yeah. I really felt like I was losing who I was. Um, but the Bible says that our identity is in whose we are. So 
Um, it was a good thing for me because I had to really dig into what the Bible truly says about my identity. And I actually feel like I didn't lose my identity. I actually feel like I found it because yeah. I found who I'm truly supposed to be. And the person I actually like who I am now before I didn't because I was just constantly hating my body at war with my body at war with food, like not enjoying anything in life. And I didn't mm-hmm. even like who I was, even though I was skinny. Um, so when we think that skinniness brings joy and happiness and love and magical unicorns, it doesn't. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know. So like we all think that we're like, when I'm just skinny, your life will get better. No, no, it doesn't, it doesn't get better at all. You're just going to be hangry and just miserable. Um, so worse, probably. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. And then, and then when you're like, when you lose weight, like there's never enough weight to lose. As soon as you lose weight, you want to lose more and you want to lose more and you want to lose more. Like there's never like a line. There's the line of perfection always goes farther and further. So we have to learn to accept where we are and to be happy with who we are and all those kinds of, you know, all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, fears like my husband wouldn't love me. My husband wouldn't find me attractive if I wasn't a skinny, perfect person, which quite the opposite. My husband actually likes I have some curves now and I don't look like a little boy. (laughs) Um, so like all, you know, just all these silly fears. So that I just had to re- again that prove that they were just fears in all reality. So you um, talked about your relationship as being like a really big factor in bringing you back to kind of to like this healthy place and this healthy mindset and showing you like, okay, I need to go ahead and figure something out because this isn't going to work. So yeah. what were some like ways that you know your Um, husband kind of supported you in this what were some like key things that maybe he did or said that kind of helped encourage you or told you that yeah no this is the right track to go on yeah so a couple things well like I said I'm not sure if I said this but my husband is in medical school he's almost a doctor so Mm -hmm. like he knew like what I was actually doing to my body not even just like I, I told myself I was healthy, but when I actually like looked at like lab results and stuff, I didn't have a period for 10 years, which is a pretty big sign of like really bad health. So like in the medical field, he like encouraged me because he was like, you are killing your body. Like literally your yeah. body is shutting. Down. This is terrible. Um, so he was really encouraging in that way. But just in like, as I started to eat more and like lose the gym and gain weight, gain health, all these kinds of things, he really encouraged me because instead of like focusing on how I looked. Of course, he encouraged me that I was still beautiful and he still loved me and Mm -hmm. all those kinds of things, but encouraged me more like, you're so much more happy now. You're so much more fun to be around. Like, I don't want a skinny wife who can't do anything. Like, I'd rather Mm -hmm. you have some more weight on you and we be able to enjoy our lives. So just really encouraging me in the sense of like, who, and more of like a personality changes. And then also, um, you know, he encouraged me with fear foods. Like he'd bring home, you know, I used to fear donuts. He would just spontaneously bring home a donut to challenge me, which usually mm-hmm. I was really mad at him for because I was like, this is scary. But I was also really happy. Um, <laughs> just, you know, challenging me and encouraging me and and not focusing, like I said, on, on the looks. Not because I didn't want him to think that I didn't, you know, I wanted, I just wanted him to take the focus off the looks. And he knew that because that was my, that was my hang up. Like it wasn't yeah. because he didn't think I was attractive anymore, but just because he wanted me to start separating who I was from how I looked. Um, so that was really beneficial. And of course, praying for me every night. He mm-hmm. Right now he's in medical school, so he doesn't live with me during the week because he does different rotations in different states. Um, so calling me every night and praying with me, um, all those kinds of things. That is so awesome and so yeah. supportive. I know there are, my husband personally, he's really... I'm supportive, goes to the gym with me, um, you know, like it helps me like with everything because he trains as well and super just fitness is his thing. Um, 
Now, for those of us out there, because I am one of them, (laughs) who don't personally enjoy fitness, I know that you said that you hated running. (laughs) Um, So how did you kind of overcome like that? Like, how did you get into like a fitness level that worked for you? So really, I just started trying out things like so I used to like just lift and run because I thought like that's what I had to do to be skinny. Mm-hmm. And then once I started going back to the gym, I really had to like figure out what do I actually like to do? Do I like to run? And I tried running and no, I don't like to run. So I don't run anymore. I hate running. <laughs> um, so I went back to lifting and I still love to lift weights like that's truly what I like to do. So I mm-hmm. enjoy that. Um, but I think it's really important for people to not think about like what they sh- quote unquote should do because there's so much pressure to do do high intensity interval training do mm-hmm. like crossfit do like and all these things and like those just sometimes are just miserable so try different things and maybe like maybe you just like to do zumba and like that's cool like do zumba like no you don't have to feel like you have to be this elite fitness person you just need to, like maybe walking is your thing like that's still moving when we see all movement is something that is just done to promote health and to like make our body feel good it just changes the game from like having to do it for the calorie burn yeah um so i always just say just see what you like because really that's the most sustainable thing if you hate weightlifting or you hate high intensity interval training even if they burn more calories if you're not going to do them like that's not sustainable so pick something that you enjoy and that's sustainable and just makes you feel good okay um so what about um you know um these things that are you know, talking about, you know, weight training is the only way or best way to go. Or if you weight train, you might like gain too much weight or, you know, like what are some of the, you know, misconceptions that we have about exercise and how it affects us? Yeah. So first of all, the one, I know there's a conception like for women, like if they lift weights, they're going to become like a man, which Mm -hmm. is just not like it's impossible unless you take steroids. Like we just don't have the testosterone. We don't have the design. Like it's literally impossible to become bulky like a man. Like, of course, if you're like a super elite athlete and that's like your life, mm-hmm. like you see some women that are really bulky and they're either taking steroids or that is their life. Yeah. But for the majority of us, we're not going to train like it's our life. Um, so that's not going to happen. And then second of all, I think um, some of the myths, um, one of the big, honestly, one of the biggest myths is that exercise does so much for our body, like how it looks. Mm-hmm. And I learned that, with not lift, you know, not literally not exercising for nine months. Like I gained weight, yes, but that was mostly because I was eating a lot more. Um, other than that, like it really didn't do anything for my body. Like if I wouldn't have eaten more, I really don't think my body would have changed that much. Like we think that exercise is this huge thing that is keeping us, you know, from gaining weight, but it really doesn't do as much as we think it does. So that really frees you up to miss days and go live your life if you need to miss a couple workouts. So we were kind of talking too about um, uh, finding your identity um, and who God says you are. How central is that really to, you know, how we see ourselves when it, when it comes to these things? I think it's almost like the most central thing, honestly, because when we're actually like resting in that and resting in the fact that, identities and whose we are and that we're already fearfully and wonderfully made we're already mm-hmm. you know all these things that the bible says like it just i could go on like a little tangent of all these verses but we all know <laughs> them um like when we're resting in those things like i feel like it just makes our world more like at peace like we're not constantly reaching out and grabbing and like 
looking around and looking at other people to try to validate us. Yeah. We're just like almost like we just feel validated. And I feel like when we are not resting in that and when we don't know who's we are, who we are in Christ, that's when we put that false identity of like, for me, I call it fitness tailor. Like that was my identity, a mm-hmm. fitness tailor. And when we're putting those identities on ourselves, like it's almost like this bar- barrier to Christ. Like if you put your, your hand in front of your face, like you can't see the wall and pretend that the wall is God. Like you can't see Christ when you have this like fake false identity in between you and God. So you really can't even develop a deep relationship with him. Mm-hmm. And when you don't have a deep relationship with him, then all your other parts, parts of your life fall out of place and you don't, and you're, you again, try to grasp at other things and look to other people to validate you. Um, so just learning and really resting in that identity of Christ, like honestly, just pretty much changes everything. Um, so you, you kind of already talked about it too, but like, how do you know when you're no longer operating, like out of a place of, um, you know, this is my body's my temple. I am God. I am his. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Um, you know, um, I'm a woman after God's own heart. Like when, at what point do you know that you're not operating out of that? Cause I can often like say, okay, well, you know, I'm going to eat, you know, I'm, I'm going to eat intuitively and I'm going to make sure that I'm not starving myself or I'm not overfeeding myself or I'm not overexercising. Um, but like, I want to make sure that I'm still also operating at a place that's God centered. Like, how do you navigate that? Yeah, I think that's tough. And I think, I mean, I think just being human, there are days where you're just like, this feels hard. Like it doesn't, even for me, like even I'm recovered, there are days where like, this, this feels hard. Like it just feels like a weird, you know, place to navigate. But for the most part, I say like, when you're just like not thinking about it, like mm-hmm. I don't overthink my food choices. I don't overthink exercise. I don't like, I put thought into it because I, I do believe in health. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what do I want for dinner? Like, I would like to eat something that is nourishing to my body. Okay, like, mm-hmm. this sounds good. This is nourishing. Cool, I'll eat that and I'm done. Or, like, I, I want a cookie. Okay, cool, I'll eat that and I'm done. But I don't overthink it. Does that make sense? Yeah. So good. I think putting thought into it is good and healthy, but overthinking it is when it becomes obsessive. Okay, yeah. So with overthinking and everything, so what are some kind of, like, examples that you – Maybe see like where you're like, okay, I'm probably overthinking this. Yeah. So like um, thinking about like, you know, for dinner, for example, like how many calories can I eat? Does this fit into my calories? Like what would be like a better, would this be a better option? Would this be like less sugar? Like does this have too much fat? Like, Like all those kinds of things. Like that's definitely overthinking. Or like if I miss this workout, do I have to eat less later because I didn't burn the calories? Or like if I eat this big lunch and it's like I'm really hungry today, so I'm eating more at lunch, do I have to eat a smaller dinner to make up for it? Like yeah. I call it meal math. So like if you're like playing Tetris with your meals, trying to make them all fit into this box, mm-hmm. that's overthinking. Like if you just want to be like, okay, I want to eat a protein, fat, and a carb because it's healthy, I eat it and I feel good and I move on, you're good. But when you start to like and when you, when you start planning your meals, like what you're eating for dinner, when you're eating lunch and you haven't even eaten finished lunch already, like that's getting pretty obsessive when you're just like constantly thinking about food. Okay. So, okay. So that makes sense. So what, um, one of the things that you talk about as well, um, being really crucial is your why, like versus yes. the what. So can you kind of expand on that? Yeah. So I always say like it's less about what you do, what you eat, and more about like why you do it. So for example, like I, for me now, I still eat relatively what we call quote unquote healthy, but it's not. I don't do it because I think I have to. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's because I actually truly enjoy it. I enjoy the way it nourishes my body. But if you're eating healthfully because your why is because you think you have to to make your body like look a certain way, that's a bad why. So mm-hmm. eating healthfully, there's two two different two people, me and this you know imaginary person that is made up who's got a bad <laughs> relationship with food, mm-hmm. and we're both eating healthfully. But me, it's because it, I enjoy it. You know, makes my body feel good, and I can eat a donut if I want without fear. This person is doing it out of control and fear based. So that's really it's so it's, like I said, it's less about what you're doing and more about examining why you're doing it. If you're exercising because you think that you have to do it to burn calories and make your body smaller, that's a lot different than doing it because you love the way it makes you feel. And if your body doesn't change because of it, that's cool too. Like, does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, for the person who is, you know, like planning, um, kind of their year ahead and they're already like, all right, I'm going to the gym. I'm going to start this diet. I'm going to, you know, get healthy and fit. What are some kind of, um, guidelines that you kind of had for them to kind of think about when they're you know to keep them from turning to kind of those unhealthy whys yeah so I mean I think it's really literally to write down your why like a lot of us we I think writing it down can be super powerful because a lot of times Mm -hmm. we think oh just to be healthy but like really dig deep like okay write down your why maybe it's why is to like be healthier maybe it's to make your body look different and I'm like dig deeper into that why do you think that you need to your body to look a certain way like is it because you think that men will find you more attractive maybe you'll have more friends maybe your husband will think you're more attractive like like really break down your why and almost like be your own little therapist and do your own little journey mm-hmm. like a journaling exercise mm-hmm. and really just really like I said just dig deep within your why and just realize that sometimes what a why can look okay on the surface. If we dig deep, there is some kind of disorder um, underlying it. Okay. And so for that woman that may be leaning on the disordered side, how would you, what are, what are some steps that you would say that she should take? If you were going to talk to, you know, um, 21 year old Taylor, you know, or, mm-hmm. or 13 year old Taylor, what, what are some things that you're like, okay, this is what you need to do? I think maybe like maybe a New Year's resolution could not be to change your body, but to change your relationship with Christ. Like mm. maybe start, you know, digging deeper into what the Bible says about you. Start spending all some of that time that maybe you'd be like meal prepping or worrying about your calories or whatever in Christ. Yeah. Because that will kind of set the tone for how you feel about your body and and really um, starting to trust your body too and starting to trust that your that your body designed you know, to feel healthy and it will tell you when it's hungry. It will tell you when it's full. So you need to needing to micromanage. You're really starting to dig deeper in your relationship with Christ, which also in turn help you to really trust your body when you realize that God did make you in this way that should function without you having to be this like crazy micromanager. Oh my gosh, that's so good. I was like, oh, I need you to say it again. <laughs> I'm going to like put it on my mirror and just <laughs> leave oh, <good>. it there. <laughs> um you know, kind of what you're saying and embodying is, you know, tra- like trading your, your diet or, or tra- trading your ideas of what you should look like or be like for essentially like happiness or peace or faith mm-hmm. or, you know, kind of what do you think, um, what should we be trading these ideas for? Like, just like a full free life. Like the Bible says that God came so that we can have life and have it to the full. But when we're you know, worrying about our body and obsessing and missing all these events because we're scared of the food or like we can't go out because we can't miss the gym. Like we are not operating and living in this full free life. 
that God has for us, like at, at all. We're choosing to stay in like bondage, like our little fear fortresses, I like to call them, because that's what, and that's what the enemy wants us. He yeah. wants us to stay, you know, stuck and to stay in this hatred and this not having self acceptance. And God doesn't want that for us. So we're trading. We're really just trading. When we say yes to like food rules, we're saying no to the full free life that God has for us. So really realizing that every time we say yes to something, we're also saying no to something else as well um, can be really powerful. Wow. That conversation with Taylor was an absolute blessing to me. And I think it was a perfect way to start off the new year. Look, guys, I'm going to be honest. My first goal for this new year is to get in shape and, you know, start working on my summer body early. Um, As I'm sure yours is probably the same thing as so many women and men. Um, That's kind of our first thing we go to is getting healthy, getting fit. Um, And that's an awesome goal to have. I think one of the things that I really did take away from this conversation with Taylor is that you can accidentally put those goals above God and you can also accidentally kind of create unhealthy habits with those goals um, and create um, negative self-image issues. And um, there are so many things that you know, over dieting, over exercising, overthinking what you're eating and um, can just develop so many bad um, kind of relationships with food and with fitness. And it can start to um, tear away at who you are and your identity and yourself. One of the things that I really took away from this is that we are not what we eat. I know we, you know, everybody says, oh, you are what you eat, but we, we really aren't. We are who God says we are. Um, and which is loved, which is um, which is saved, which is um, enough. And there's nothing that you or I could do to make God love us any more or any less. And that's something that I think um, I really take away from this episode. It's okay to have these goals and getting healthy and getting fit, but also really look at your why. Your why is 100% um, what you're going to be pulling from when you're going towards these goals. And if your why is unhealthy, then it can really lead you to an unhealthy place and an unhealthy mental space about what you're doing and about who you are. So, hey, if you really like this episode, um, go ahead and head over to Food Faith Fit, um, which is the Instagram page that Taylor runs that is full of amazing like inspiration and tips and all of these things to help you on your journey with faith and fitness and food. She posts like nice videos about how to make um, something recent she did was um, ginger snap cookies, which I tried and were amazing um and also if you want even more in-depth information you can head over to her website which is foodfaithfitness.com which is full of recipes that you can use um and blog posts and all of these things resources devotionals um, challenges that you can use to help you in your fitness journey Um, one more thing that we talked about at the beginning was her food faith free Um, which is a kind of devotional slash challenge that she gives to you for free um, to help you gain freedom from food fears and misconceptions that we have about food, um, while at the same time growing in your faith. I think this is a really instrumental tool um, and is a really good way to help you kind of get started on um, figuring out the right why to have when you're pursuing your um, fitness goals this year. And hey, before you go anywhere, do us a big favor on whatever platform you're on. 
leave us a review. We love to hear your feedback. We love to hear your stories um, and especially how this episode or podcast has impacted you. Um, We are all about sharing the gospel and all about sharing our experiences um, and connecting with shared experiences that we all have, things that are completely relatable um, that you may not even know other people have experienced as well. We want you to know that you're not alone. And if there's any conversation that you want to hear here, feel free to email us at herfaithinspired.com at gmail.com. Um, we're also part of Her Faith Inspired. So if you want to head over to herfaithinspired.com to figure out kind of what we're about, what we're doing, and get involved, you can find all that information there. Again, I'm your hostess, Anastasia Franklin, and I'll be here every Monday with a new episode. So stay tuned. I'll see you next week here on Coffee Break.